Wes Durham of the ACC Network, ESPN. He'll drop on by in about 15, 20 minutes. Plenty to get into. College football playoff rankings updated last night. Some things that did not surprise. One that did. Plus, look, it's it's way too early to spend any mental bandwidth fretting about ACC basketball. However, <laughs> there are some teams that are winless in the ACC that you wouldn't expect to be winless. And North Carolina head basketball coach Hubert Davis had some interesting things to say last night after a win. Tar Heels are 3-0 and and number one in the AP Top 25. But Hubert Davis brought up some yellow flags, as he put it. But it's Wednesday. It is considered a slow news day in the NFL news cycle. So you know what that means. We're the only radio show in America that ranks football things. It's the OG's completely original, can't-be-duplicated football power rankings. Let's get it. All right, Julio, your number four football power ranking. I keep waiting for the shoe to drop with the New York football giants, and all they do is keep winning. Yeah. So number four for me, New York Giants now 7-2 and two on the season with another bop coming up against the Lions at home. They're going to be 8-2 and two heading into a key NFC East stretch where they'll play Washington and Philly over the next three weeks. My number four goes to Jeff Saturday who absolutely broke NFL media when he got the interim head coaching job for the Indianapolis Colts. That led to a few days leading up to his game as the head coach of the of the Colts and then beating the Raiders of people just losing their minds. I mean, Bill Cowher went on the CBS show and said it was a travesty. It was a disgrace. Uh, you've got Joe Thomas, former Cleveland Brown, going on the air and talking about well i mean he's 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 jim ursay's drinking buddy which hey dude i mean we can all kind of make some references to jim ursay's past but man that's a little little crossing the edge there man and then mike greenberg making a point about how a lot of journalists got upset uh, about remember um like the who wants to be a vj contest on espn i forgot it was called open mic i forgot what it was called but Mike Hall was the winner. They basically gave this guy a sports center job. Hall went on to be like the first guy ever to, to anchor the Big Ten Network, too, when they signed on. Regardless, he's broken so many things. And I love it. I think there's been lots of fascinating conversations that have come out of it. And I, I would say this. What it ultimately comes down to is, like all other things, your relationships will lead you to jobs. That's what it comes down to. You can put in the hard work, but if you don't have the relationship, it's going to be harder for you to power through regardless of your resume. That's how in our side of the business, guys with zero media experience can walk off the field and get a job. I would never get an opportunity at the ACC Network. Yet somebody who played basketball or football with no media experience can literally just walk into the set and fumble through some things. Well, because... The relationships and things like that. It doesn't upset me. That's how the world works. It's how the world works. And so many people get really, really mad when they are reminded that this is actually how the world works. And we can thank Jeff Saturday for that. Number three on your football power rankings. Your Miami Dolphins. Speaking Speaking of shoes, I keep waiting to drop. It's too low, though. Seven and three. They got Houston this week. They'll be eight and three going into a key game against the 
49ers on December 4th to a Tungavailoa. Offense keeps putting up points as long as Tungavailoa is the quarterback. You put some respect on the three straight week FedEx Air Player of the Week. Over the past three games, he's thrown for 969 yards, nine touchdowns, completing 76.5% of his passes, leading the NFL in all three categories. I ride for the Dolphins now. Take that for that. I'll probably get hurt in the end. My number three goes to Justin Fields, who's not hurting my fantasy league. True story, all right? Because I don't have a fantasy allotment of time like you do. Although now that I joined the Fantasy Football League for WRL, not get waived. If we want to talk fantasy football, we talk fantasy football. Yeah. But I want to tell you how awesome I stumbled into this. I took Justin Fields because, well, I needed somebody to fill in for Patrick Mahomes on a bye week, and it sure as hell wasn't going to be Baker Mayfield. So there was Justin Fields. I took him. I was, I was going to use him once. Yeah, I'll probably lose this week. No, that's not what happened. He rushed for a bunch of touchdowns, threw a couple touchdowns, whatever. He keeps doing this. I have not actually put Patrick Mahomes back as my starting quarterback, and that's saying something because Justin Fields is crushing it right now, helping fantasy football owners everywhere. Who's your number two? Number two is the Chiefs. Man, I did not expect them to be 7-2 and two this year. Man, I expected the AFC West to be actually be tough this year. Man, the AFC West is not tough this year. Man, Andy Reid is a machine. Yeah, he is. He is definitely a machine, without a doubt. Without a doubt. My number two on our OG's football power rankings, completely original, hasn't been done anywhere else before, goes to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. Did you watch any of the NFL Network coverage of the game in Germany? I did not. So it basically looked like all the things that American broadcasts do when we go to another country. So, like, when the NFL goes to Mexico, it's like, let's put an Enya on the... Like, that's an actual letter, okay? It's not you put the squiggly and it suddenly becomes a Spanish N. That's not how it works. It's its own letter, right? These are what I'm saying. They go to Mexico City and what do they do? Ah, let's have somebody try some tacos at a taco stand outside the stadium. A Stadia Azteca. Okay, cool. So, if you're going to Munich, Germany, what do you think you do? You do? Uh, beer, pretzels, ah, yeah, you Lederhosen. Def- you definitely Lederhosen. So here comes Roger Goodell wearing the hat, wearing the traditional no. Bavarian hat with a big old liter of beer. Now, the liter of beer was kind of already, like somebody either half-filled it or Roger had been pounding it, and then he realized, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm on camera, and I have to be a little bit more respectable. So they're all doing like, all right, zigzaga, zigzaga, oi, 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 right? They're doing all the stuff that you do at an Oktoberfest. And everybody's got the prost. They got the elbows up. They're ready to go. And then Roger Goodell just sips it. Nah, man. I can't respect you. You got a stein of beer? You chug that thing on TV. I know you've got that game. Come on. We all know Roger Goodell's the Dap King. He tries to put on this very professional look. He wears the sweater vests and all that stuff. But what do we see at the draft? That dude's got his daps down. You telling me you can't chug a beer? You haven't pounded a beer with Tom Brady? Were you impressed that the crowd knew Country Roads by John Denver? That was the only clip I saw from the game, was the crowd singing all the words, Take Me Home, Country Roads. That is, I would not expect that. I, I mean, they I love, they love David Hasselhoff. Apparently, they love <laughs> John Denver. <laughs> Your number one football power ranking. Still my Bills. I can't quit them. All right. To review, since I have officially jumped on the Bills bandwagon, they've lost to the Jets. They've lost to the Vikings. And not only did they lose to the Vikings, but there was like a Joe Pasarczyk 
Meadowlands miracle finish there in order for them to lose. And now, of course, yes, Josh Allen, not exactly healthy. Yeah, he's he's not necessarily at 100%. And, yeah, my number one, you got him at number three. I got him at number one, the Miami Dolphins, a team that's actually in the AFC East lead because Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. They're in the air from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. Actually, no, I think I screwed up the lyrics. My bad. They're in the air. They're on the ground. They're always in control. And when you say Miami, we're talking Super Bowl. As long as Tua Tagovailoa is healthy. <laughs> if he's not healthy, well, that might be another matter altogether. At my, at my heaviest, I was like 235. That was several, several years ago. Um... If you saw pictures of me back then, you would swear that I was wearing a fat suit. I was doing some sort of bit, like an undercover boss. One of those types of things. We got Wes? No Wes. No, we'll, we'll... I wish I was back to 235. What are you at now, Dennis? Oh, well over 235. Really? Yeah. I'm at like 270. What? Yeah, I know. I'm dense. Thick boy with two C's. I know, right? Over there. Jeez. Still you, wear a size You're really waist. 270? Dead serious. I'm not going to ask where you hide it. I don't want to know where I hide it. <laughs> you hide 270 well, man. Thank you. I was going to say. <laughs> what are, you, are you sure you're not carrying around leftover dumbbells in your pants? I might. When you go work oh, that's out? That's what you want to call them? Yeah, that's what we're going to call them. Actually, I think we call them Grady Dick now. Isn't that what we do? Yeah. Isn't that what we call now? I mean, I mean, how is he not on Duke's roster? I, I just That's how you really know that Mike Krzyzewski retired. A guy named... The Great White Hope. A guy named Grady Dick. Pound intended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People were having uh, lots of fun with that last night in the Heck Champions of a player, Classic. By the way. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he, no, I'm not... Would have fit the... Uh, now the mold of hateable white Duke player. It did take a while for Dick to get going last night, <laughs> but I mean, it was late. It was late at night last night. I mean, they didn't have tip off until ten twenty-five, so might take a little bit of time to get going on that one. Speaking of basketball, Duke lost last night. Last night was kind of a grind of a game, anyway. Uh, Three-point shooting was at a it was a luxury last night. A lot of the offense was actually coming off of defense or miscues, offensive miscues. And uh, Kansas came back in that game. But I'm not going to read too much into last night's contest. Duke's missing a guy, Derek Whitehead. I don't even know if he's going to be back on Friday. It's entirely possible he might, but we'll see. You know, they kind of alluded to it yesterday. But here's John Shire, Duke head basketball coach. Oh, the young guy's playing well, but look, it's early and there's room to grow. They all did something to contribute to winning and there's all for each of them there's also things that they can do better just like our staff just like everybody in that locker room and uh you know I thought it was important for Tyrese because for him the first couple of games he'd been filling it out and you can see like he can really make plays for himself and others and then Mark Mitchell's a gamer you know that's that's who he is I'm not surprised either those guys did made those plays I can go through each guy that made winning plays tonight, just didn't, wasn't good enough. And that's the bottom line. So that was John Shire, Duke head basketball coach, last night in their loss to Kansas in the Champions Classic. Carolina won last night, and I'm talking about basketball, not just in the college football playoff rankings in which they moved up. 
Carolina's 3-0. They're still number one in the AP Top 25, but they haven't looked like a contender right now. And when you... When not you, playing the part right now. Certainly not playing the part. And we've seen Carolina play the part in the past. I'm not trying to put this Carolina squad on the same level as 05, certainly not 09, and maybe not even to a certain extent of 16 to 17. But if you're going to be a top 25 team, number one, with the expectation that you can be a national championship winner, well, then you kind of have to take care of some business and not look like you're still trying to find some gelling parts, even though there are some new parts to gel, you know, like Pete Nance last night. Vegas was is an interesting way of looking at where Carolina is right now. They haven't covered yet. 0 for 3 against the spread. Things for Carolina are going to get interesting. They got JMU next. It's going to be a step up in competition. Um, and then from there, you've got your typical, you know, like the P, the the Phil Knight Classic and everything else. You've got uh, Indiana coming up. You know, you got a conference game against Virginia uh, against Virginia Tech coming up. Uh, what next Sunday? Uh, no, I'm sorry, in two weeks on December fourth. So things are going to ramp up for uh, for Carolina here soon, and all the things that Hubert Davis is saying right now, I think, is in anticipation of things getting a little bit more difficult for Carolina. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline is Wes Durham, ACC Network, ESPN. Wes, what's going on, man? Hey guys, how are you? We're good. What did what did you make of Hubert Davis bringing up not red flags but yellow flags after three wins? Well, I think he expressed yesterday to us in kind of our meeting with him that there was some concern about their ability, obviously, at the rebounding end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they. I think he said yesterday, and I'm gonna. I hope I at least come close to this. Last year they were in the top five in rebounds, and this year they're 294 to start the season. He said, "You know, we just can't do that." He said, "The other thing is, we have to minimize turnovers." And, you know, at times last night, they, they looked okay. In the first half, they looked like it was their first game, you know, of his first year coaching. Um, but I, I understand. I, I think the other thing I've learned from just a couple of basketball experiences here in the last week is, is that we are going to have to understand, and maybe we should have and probably haven't talked about it enough, but maybe we're going to have to understand that, every year in basketball now is going to be a different year for even the branded of teams. Yeah. Right. Like Duke and Carolina and like Wake Forest. I mean, the kid that hit the shot last night. Oh yeah. He's on the roster. You know, I mean the car kid who had the double double last night. Oh yeah. I forgot that guy's on the roster. And maybe now that has to become a thing that we're talking about in relationship to what college basketball is going to be. And in particular, what this league is going to be, given you know what i don't have a better slogan for other than the transfer of power that we're going to get ready to see here gradually over the next few years i think west durham from the acc network joining us here on the og that's joe obvious i'm joe Giulio. the question though wes is carolina is a lot looks a lot like the same team from last year save for the big piece there and pete nance and brady manic and that's where i would be understandably frustrated if I were Hubert Davis. Like, why with so many of the same parts and quite frankly, I I get Gardner-Webb and UNCW like being fired up to play Carolina but they shouldn't be that competitive with Carolina at the Smith Center the way that they were. Yeah, and you're right and again, I would question one of the things that I looked at when I watched the Charleston game and even parts of the Wilmington game before last night was where's their shot selection? You know, how good is their shot selection? And, 
you know, are you overzealous to get something up on the glass? Is there an impatience about this team because this team wants to score? Um, I think, you know, the two teams I've seen, Louisville last Wednesday night and, and Carolina last night, at times become romanticized by the three-point line. Mm. And I think that's a I think that's a problem early in the year for a lot of teams. You know, can you understand what the three-point line is and isn't? And in Carolina's case, you've got one of the best post players in the country on the block. You've got to get in the ball and and find a way to get in the ball. I mean, you know, for Armando Baycott to be fighting through single figures in the second half of a college basketball game seems like foreign land for me. Well, that's um, led, that's so, led to some speculation was that maybe we're not seeing 100% Armando Baycott right now. I mean, we don't know these things. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's fair, too. I mean, I... I wonder how much also, like last night, Dan and I commented on it, I think, in the second half. I, I was kind of interested to see the Seth Trimble, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis trio mm-hmm. with Leaky Black and Armando Baycott. I think Trimble brings a, a wrinkle to them that is really, really fascinating. Much like, Julio, you and I were talking about Jarquel Joyner and uh, Traquavion Smith at NC State and the ability to go get 50 every night, right, combined. I think, I think when you've got power weapons on the perimeter – like Carolina does, if you put a third guy out there, you know, by all means, go do it, right? And I think that's I think that's one of the things you got to think about for sure. Some of what Hubert said last night was from the you know the normal Roy Dean playbook of trying to get your players' attention <laughs> early in the season about playing time, right? Commitment and all those other things. I I, I did sure. I, I it did give me pause <clears throat> the line about nil mm. and and I know it's a reality of how champ Armando Baycott's going to make more than a million dollars this year to play basketball at, at uh, North Carolina, but I, I that gave me pause. Wes, it should are, am I reading too much into that type of comment, or is it more of this just general thought on how college basketball has changed in the last two years? Oh, look, I think everything's changed in college athletics and the major sports in the last five years, right? I mean, I just spoke with a group today in Winston-Salem with Stan Cotton and Connor O'Neill about just how different the landscape is in just five years, Julio, maybe three, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I certainly think that that is an equation. I think, personally, that's part of Texas A&M's football problem. Yeah. In all honesty. I really do. I think Texas A&M's football problem, at the end of the day, somebody's going to come up with, you know, Billy Lucci or one of those cats out there is going to come off with a story about NIL impacting who they are and what's transpired. So, end of the day, um, yeah, who knows? I mean, I, it's it's hard to – without knowing the landscape, it's hard to figure out, isn't it? West Durham, ACC Network, joining us here on the OG. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovius. Speaking of which, uh, you're supposed yeah. to be doing Louisville-NC State – this weekend on on the football that side was, of things, was supposed to, but was was, was so what's what's going on what's going on with a uh, change of network? Well, there is, as I understand it, you know, with obviously the tragedy in Charlottesville, right? And mm-hmm. Raycom and Bally had a doubleheader planned. They were going to have Louisiana, Florida State, and then Coastal at Virginia. So when that game was uh, canceled yesterday or this morning rather um there is a fulfillment agreement with raycom and thus bally in the arrangement that i guess exists somewhere so that allowed a transfer for them to be able to fulfill their 17 games if you count the two this week and the one next week to you know 
go through the arrangement that they have with ESPN, right? Um, so the ACC network will lose a game and Raycom Valley pick up a game mm-hmm. to make sure they get their 17. I'm sure there's some business acumen there, but yeah, yeah. you know, you, you guys have more, um, you guys have more space to write and talk about this than I do to figure it out. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so anyway, Evan Leffler is going to do the game on Valley with Roddy Jones, ironically. Okay. And um, I don't, I'm not sure who's doing sidelines and it'll be on at three 30. Okay. And um, I've just been asked within the last hour to go to Ann Arbor, Michigan to do ESPN radio. So I'm going to do Michigan and Illinois on radio for ESPN Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning, I guess, 12 noon kick, I think. I'm not sure. Okay. Oh, you get just to got see the game literally, literally in the last 45 minutes. Ooh, man, you're going to have to cram for that, aren't you? Yeah, it'll be like doing the uh, LSAT or one of those things Kelly did to become uh, be a lawyer. You know, yeah. Talk, yeah, be a lawyer. Talk to our friend Aaron Henry at Illinois. He'll catch you up. Oh, yeah. I could do that. Aaron Henry, I forgot about that. There Good you call. go. You get to see Julio's. Yeah. Uh, you get to see Julio's favorite team, Michigan. Michigan, his favorite college football playoff team. So oh, Julio, you're so in, tired, huh? No, so he's, tired. He's, he's very sar- That's sarcasm on my part about uh, about Michigan and where they are. I didn't, college football, hey, football Joe, playoff. I didn't get to see Boo last night. How was Boo last night? Good. He was fine. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they he barely. Did a good job. I'm they, proud of him. They barely gave him enough time too because right. they had to squeeze that thing in between basketball games last night. So. That's where things yeah, and there were great changes last night. Just, how about just college basketball running right over the top of college football last night? Yeah, you guys think you're running this world. Let us show you double over time. I love right? it. I absolutely love it. All right, Wes, safe travels. Uh, have fun doing that uh, that Michigan game, and we will talk to you next week. All right, boys. Be well. Take care. Big thanks to Wes Dern for hanging out with us. Getting that audible. Play-by-play. It's still confusing to me. It's so what Western referred to, and fans just might be finding out about this now. Virginia was supposed to play Coastal Carolina on Saturday. That was a part of a Bally doubleheader. And I, I think most people understand and have heard the news that Virginia, given the tragedy of this weekend where three of their football players were murdered, they're not playing. They canceled the game. And Coastal Carolina released a statement today saying, look, we stand with you and we understand in this time of grieving. And I mean, every, everybody has been as gracious and as, as as accommodating as they can be for Virginia. It's It's been very it it gives you, you know, all the sports stuff aside. It reminds you, hey, man, like, let's make sure you're, you're taken care of. So the way this has been handled has been good to see. That being said. Television contracts are tricky, and things are promised, and money's exchanged, and people want their games. So it looks like that NC State-Louisville game that was supposed to be on the ACC network is now being moved to Bally in order to accommodate the arrangement that ESPN and the ACC and Raycom have to make sure that those games end up going to Bally. So the contract's the contract. It goes from a game that most people would be able to see to, I think most people understand our feelings on the Bally app and how to watch these things and... It is what it is. So that's where the NC State-Louisville game is going to be. Just an FYI on that. Back to hoops. We got the Champions Classic last night. Duke ends up losing. I mean, look, it's a work in progress. I think we all understand that. It's also a work in progress for teams that are supposed to be title contenders as well. I mean, you got the core group of Carolina, but you're also bringing in some new pieces that are going to have to find their way on that roster. You don't have Brady Manick making every shot, right? 
Uh, Pete Nance is finding his new way, and it's, he's not going to be a Brady Manic 2.0. So Hubert Davis could go in that direction, but instead it got a little deeper last night. And one thing that he brought up was in relation to name, image, and likeness. I know, Gilio, you've been pounding the table on this particular topic and how fans are going to ha- have to get used to the changing rosters of year to year. We've seen it in basketball already. We're going to see it in football this upcoming season. And also how coaches have to deal with these types of things. And here's Hubert Davis on that matter. Nine years as an assistant with Coach Williams, seven of the years I was the JV coach. And I told the team that that was really the birth of me having a passion to be a head coach. And the reason being is, is being around the JV team, it, 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 there was no noise. Nobody on the JV team was thinking about entering the draft. Nobody on the JV team was thinking about their NIL deals. I didn't have one meeting, one call, one text, one tweet from a parent talking about roll shots, minutes. It wasn't anything. All the JV guys, the only thing that was on their mind was they couldn't believe that they were a part of this program, that they could put on that uniform, and every day they could practice and play on the place where the varsity was. It was just pure. And so I told the team, what's the difference between the JV and you guys? The only difference is, is naturally you've been gifted more than them. But other than that, what is the change? So that's Hubert Davis, head coach, North Carolina. That's and, after a win. Like you could hear it in oh his yeah. voice. Oh yeah. That he wants them to be happy. He wants them to find joy. He doesn't want them to be distracted. And I I think RJ Davis used the word there's a weight. A weight that North Carolina's playing with W E I G H T. Mm-hmm. You think about that and started this football season talking about do expectations matter? Because we saw this with North Carolina football last year. We see it with NC State football this year. And it's one thing for us to say, well, it's all the media's fault. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is with these teams, it's their own expectations. It's how they, it's their standard, how they want to play. That's the key part. It's their own standards. Yeah. When we talk about football, we don't really know what the standards are at North Carolina and NC State. We just don't. We just don't. Because there's a long history of flirting with messing around and, and being good. And then wheels fall off and you're right back to square one. With Carolina basketball, come on. We know what the standard is. National championships are the standard. In the same way at Duke, national championships are the standard. And you're compared to other teams in the past who have had similar trajectories. You come close. A core group comes back. All right, now you're going to go finish the job. We've seen that. We've seen it a couple of times in Carolina, yeah. all right? 9 is the big one. And that was a much more talented team. It might be the best Carolina team ever, you know? Certainly in the conversation. Certainly in the conversation, right? And then with 16-17, it was a special group that Roy Williams, if you listen to uh, the Roy Williams, uh, the the Roy, the Dagum Roy podcast that we did last year, how how glowingly did Roy Williams talk about that squad? Oh, he loved that group. He loved that group yeah. so much. And they went and had the redemption arc, right? This squad, I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, this this is a squad that clearly frustrated Roy Williams. It was a squad that frustrated Hubert Davis last year. Let's not forget that Hubert Davis, when they lost at Wake Forest, straight up said, they're better than us, Wake Forest. And the rest is obviously history. And my curiosity has always been with Carolina. It's just I'm not saying I want to be abundantly clear when I say this. It's simply a thing to consider 
because we just love to make assumptions. Well, because X happened, Y will follow, right? Well, that's not always the case. And West Durham said it to us earlier. Every basketball season is different now for a variety of reasons. And just because you got hot at the right time of the year last year doesn't mean that that's who you are on a consistent basis. It's just not. And while last year was an incredible ride for Carolina fans that included huge rivalry-defining wins over Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium and in the freaking Final Four, that did not mean that this was just what it was going to be this upcoming season. I was going to be really curious when Hubert Davis himself talked about it. We're not supposed to do this. We're surprising people. What do we have to lose when we go into Cameron Indoor Stadium? Well, now you've switched it. Now you got everything to lose because you are that team. So I'm going to be really curious to see how they develop over the course of time. All while understanding, fretting about college basketball on November 16th is foolish. It's foolish. Even hearing the coach talk about the way that he talks. Because that flip could get switched once January comes around and conference play really gets going. Just something to consider.